Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another, a little bit later episode of Table Tennis Talk. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Lewis, and here I have Joey Cochran. How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Um, just still in quarantine, starting to play a little more ping pong and and hanging in there. So yeah, it's going good. How about you? Um, that's awesome. Yeah, also still uh, staying indoors, social distancing from everyone. Not my dog. <laughs> she gets all over me. She doesn't understand it. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, I don't know. It seems like it's maybe getting a little better. I don't know. I can't really tell at this point, but yeah, uh, at least in Utah, they just lowered from like the orange level to yellow. And a couple weeks ago they went yeah. from red to orange. So I heard that everything's open now, at least limited openness, which is good. Yeah. But yeah, mostly I've just been staying inside and working on my YouTube channel and, uh, just kind of still distancing as much as I can. Yeah, I've been watching the videos. I um, I really like the ending of the new video you did with the balls falling on the yeah. Paddle. That was that fun. Was, that, that actually was super cool. it actually took me like a week to put together because oh wow I I couldn't get it right and the paddle kept moving and it was it was a little tougher than than it looked and for only like a fifteen second clip but. I love the way it turned out and I found some good music for it. And yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and you digitally recreated the whole thing, right? It was, it was CGI ping pong balls on a CGI. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I wish I was that good. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Uh, so we have a, a very interesting and cool episode today. We interviewed um, Samson Dabina. Um, one of your rivals, um, somebody you knew grew, growing up playing against. Um, so that's going to be the majority of this podcast episode. Uh, we'll go ahead and start um, with some of our personal updates, how we're coping, um, any recommendations to get through this um, uh, social distancing, self-isolation world. Um, Joe, you want to go first? What you been doing? Sure. Um yeah, so just to briefly touch on our interview with Samson. So he's uh, one of the best players in the country. He was the runner-up at U.S. Nationals a couple of years ago um, in the men's singles. He's one of the best players in Utah, if not the best. I'm sure he's won many uh, Ohio State championships. Did I say Ohio or Utah? You said Utah first. Okay, I meant Ohio. So he's he's many-time uh, state champion uh, U.S. men's runner-up and one of the best players in the country. Um, so I'm I'm excited to I've been excited to have him on the show and we finally got it to work out. So um, as far as my my personal updates, uh, yeah, just mostly the, my YouTube, the Table Tennis Junkie channel, um, and I've been playing a lot of board games still. We buy it seems like a couple every week <laughs> um <laughs> playing them with my wife mostly and uh yeah just just hanging out uh still working from home um and we try to go on hikes at least once or twice a week just to get away and get outside a little bit so um every wednesday morning we get up super early and and go on a a hike and then on the weekends we've been trying to get out and go somewhere a little further away because we have more time but yeah cool what about you how is what are your what are your tips and what have you been doing for for quarantine um yeah i've 
I've been uh, also purchasing board games. Um, I found this new, well, I guess I knew about it, but um, kind of found more information about this type of board game called print and play. So it's like um, basically people design these board games and then just put them up online and you can print them out with your regular printer and play them. Um, cool. And there are these ones that are like print and write. So you actually write on the paper um, to like, um, your stats or you draw a map or there's like there's all this interaction it's just it's super cool it's free as long as you have a printer um it's like a good way to kind of burn some hours so i've been doing that um i've also been this almost seems counterintuitive but i've been reading and watching a lot of like disaster media like like zombie post-apocalyptic movies and tv shows and I, I'm reading this book called Virus. It's this Japanese um, uh, author who wrote this book back in the 60s. And I swear it's literally like what we're living through, only like an uh, apocalyptic scale. Like there's so many things where I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like this is like happening <laughs> or like, oh, this is this is what it would be like if it was so much worse. Um and I don't know, for some reason, those things have been really kind of like cathartic. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm watching them and thinking, oh, well, at least it's not that bad. Or if I'm watching them and thinking like, oh, this is kind of like what I'm also going through in a, in a not as serious way. Um, I don't know. It's. It's pretty cool. It's I mean, weird. this is the time to, yeah. I, I know that like World War Z was one of the popular shows on amazon prime or netflix or whatever it was oh yeah um yeah like these i mean this is it's people are living through it it's like <laughs> what's gonna happen next well let's let's watch the movie and find out <laughs> yeah exactly um the other thing i was thinking and and um actually when we when we talked to samson is kind of he got me thinking even more about it is like so i've got a i've got a robot at home and it's a cheaper robot. It, everything's actually in Chinese. So like, I kind of don't completely understand how it works. Um, but even it, it just doesn't work that great. I've really been thinking like, should I get a robot? Like, should I get one of the, the bigger, um, like the butterfly amicus ones or something? Um, and I wanted to ask your, your opinions on that. So robots can be good and bad. Um, the main thing you want to be careful of is if you're using a robot, it's important to have some like a coach either on standby or that you meet with maybe once or twice a week that can help you. Because if you start practicing on a robot, it can really just like drill in bad habits as well as good habits. So if you have somebody that can kind of correct you, then they're really good for, for training, for physical, definitely really good. Um, I do think that it's worthwhile to get one that is good because you can buy a cheap robot and it's just kind of a waste of money. Um, so I think that it's, it's one of those things that it's worth spending the extra money on if you, if you're going to buy one, that way you can like program the drills in and have it be a little bit more realistic where if you get a cheap one, a lot of like a lot of the balls will just end up in the net or, um, not placed right. And it's, it just, it's not, or they'll run out of balls real fast and it's just not really worth it. Um, the other thing with a robot is the, a lot of table tennis is 
adjusting to the spins and the locations and your opponent's racket angle and their positioning and their body movements where you don't really get that from a robot, but you can get a lot of other things from a robot. It's just, you just got to know what you're buying is the main thing. So, I mean, they're really good for, for certain things like, like physical or, um, your speed training or, uh, movement, um, transitioning for in a backhand or practicing different sequences. If you have a good enough robot, you can do that. So they are good for certain things. Um, but again, it's important to have a coach nearby that can help you. So you're not developing any bad habits with it. Cool. Cool. Have you tried, um, so you said buy a good one. That's another thing that's kind of, uh, makes it a difficult purchase is last, the the top of the line like amicus butterfly robot is around two thousand dollars which is crazy <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like it's like uh that's it's way past that uh dignick's uh budget that i have for for table t- tennis so i'm curious have you tried that like the top of the line the amicus prime no i actually before? haven't the last robot i used was probably 20 years ago um, so I know that they've gotten a lot better since then, obviously. Uh, but I haven't actually tried any of the new ones. Okay. Well, sorry, not much help there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So cool. So uh, let's move on. There's, there's just a few pieces of news I wanted to talk about. So world table tennis was announced, um, a few months ago by the ITTF and we actually didn't talk about it. Um, and I feel like, uh, now is the perfect time to talk about it because there's nothing else going on. Uh, but so have you heard anything about world table tennis? Uh, just very little. So I'll, okay. I'll let you tell me. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, uh, apparently ITTF is trying to step their game up, which I'm, I'm excited about. Um, they're starting kind of a new venture next year, 2021. Um, where basically instead of like the ITTF um, Seamaster uh, World Tour, uh, World Table Tennis is going to be all of their events. And they, what they're promising is um, it's got new branding, so it's a little bit more like fancy sports stuff. Um, they're saying that they're going to have better production values for the video, which is very exciting. Yeah, seriously. Um, and um, I think some I think some other things, I think more, maybe more sponsorship opportunities. But um, the that's going to start next year. And that's basically going to be like the the professional um, table tennis that it's going to be world table tennis. Um, you can go to worldtabletennis.com. It's got some fancy like splash stuff uh, that kind of doesn't tell you too much. Um, they have some news and they were talking about host cities cause I'm really excited cause with a new structure, maybe they'll get some, um, more tournaments in America, which would be awesome. Uh, but they don't have any information on that yet. What they do have information about is the new event structure, which seems, um, it's kind of completely different. So they're introducing this thing called a grand smash. Um, and they're going to do four of those a year. And they're, they're, um, they're kind of like, they're supposed to be the, the top level events for table tennis. So they're 10 day events. Um, they've got, 
a, just a ton of people um, going into them and um, they're mixed. So there's men and women's events in there. Um, they kind of compared them to the um, World uh, Grand Slams in tennis. Uh, but I don't actually know anything about tennis, so I don't really get the comparison. That's interesting. So tennis has the the Wimbledon, Wimbledon. They have U.S. Open, Australian Open, and French Open. Um, and those are the Grand. Slams. Those are the Grand Slams, yeah. And they're all okay. like the major tournaments. Wimbledon's the biggest one, um, but they're all supposedly equal. Um, cool. Yeah. So that so then that makes sense. They're kind of trying to make those the big big deals for the um, for the year. Um, they're going to continue to do the the men's and women's cup finals um, as separate events. Uh, they they're also going to keep doing the world championships as usual, um, and then they get into these. They're doing these what they call the tier one um, champions events, and these are they're eight events. Four of them are women's events, and four of them are men's events. So they're kind of having like standalone more standalone women's events, which they said was kind of to try to promote like the women's side of table tennis more. That's interesting. Um, I like it actually. It sounds good. Yeah. Which is cool. Cause I feel like sometimes when, when they're mixed, like it's like the men's final always goes last. And I'm like, you know, that kind of seems disproportionate. Like, you know, that everybody's just there to watch the men play, which I don't think is true. Um, so that's cool. And then they beyond below that, they have the tier two and tier three events, which are the star contenders and the contenders. And I think the star contenders event is supposed to kind of cut um, cut the bottom level of the world tour events and the top level of the challenge world tour events and kind of have something there. So it's it's probably like when I was looking at it, I was thinking these are probably going to be players that you're that you're familiar with that are playing, but maybe not like Malong wouldn't go to that uh, star contender event. He would go to the champions and the sounds. I mean, similar to what they did a couple of years ago um, when, when they changed it to like the, the diamond tournaments and the gold tier tournaments and the platinum oh, yeah. tournaments. So I think it's a yeah. good transition yeah. They're They're kind of moving along and making it maybe a little bit more modern. Um, Right. It's it's a good thing. It's something that needs it's something that needs to be done because I mean ping pong really hasn't grown at all in the last 20 30 years. So, I mean, they got to shake things up and do something different and I kind of like the way they're going with it. It seems like they're doing the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the 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 player quality is there and the um like the player stories and rivalries are there. I think it's just really just um I don't know, just getting it out there and, and, um, getting it in front of people's faces. So right. uh, that's going to start next year. I'm, I'm excited. I was actually like, when I was trying to put together the outline for this episode, I was like, man, I feel like I haven't watched or played table tennis in like years. It feels like <laughs> it's only been a few months, but man, I, I miss, I miss, uh, seeing some big tournaments. So I'm excited for it to get started again. Yeah. Um, another, another really interesting thing is, um, Jula, uh, which actually, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. I think it's Eula, but I I'll keep calling it Jula. What do you call it? Jula I, or Eula? I go back and forth. I don't know. Okay. I think it's Yola, but 
I call it Jula. Jula, okay. Okay, we'll call it Jula just so we can be unique. Um, <laughs> so um, Jula, who is a big uh, maker of American table tennis stuff, um, I believe um, Lily Zhang is one of, is they sponsor Lily Zhang? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, I guess the owner of the company his sister is um, in the medical field and they had connections to all of these suppliers and they actually started um, Jula Medical to make um, face masks, um, which are available for uh, people to purchase. And they actually have it set up so you you can purchase it and then um, you can get, it's like almost like a subscription, like you get it. Uh, package of masks every month um i saw you sent me a picture of a box of masks that you had bought from them yeah it did it yeah, come yeah. in a, like a ball box it looked like it came in a box like what balls would normally come in did they just like <laughs> repurpose a box and i don't think so like it looks like it, it looks it looks it looks legit like i think they started their own like medical offshoot so <laughs> it's not um it's not like no, they didn't. <laughs> I did. I didn't see like like um, uh, plastic ball dust or anything in there. Um, yeah, but we've been wearing them. They're they're uh, they're normal uh, little face masks. It's cool quality, and um, it's nice to have a few around. My my wife had bought some cloth ones, and they're not really reusable. So um, these are nice because they're they're reusable or they're they're disposable. Nice. Yeah, we got a couple of disposable ones and or we got some disposable ones and they're yeah, they're nice. They're way easier to like breathe through and more comfortable. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's cool that they were able to just pivot and and start yeah. making masks just on a dime. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the whole the whole issue with like the protective equipment stuff is just the like the gulf between manufacturers usually in in asia and china um and companies in america and so jula is getting most of their stuff made in china so they have um you know connections with those suppliers and manufacturers so they can that's interesting that they were able to do that make me a mask because it's like i mean all of a sudden the whole world needed masks right and a lot of the (laughs) china trade got stinted um so it's um it's kind of interesting that they were able to do that and pull it off so yeah yeah okay so um we're going to take a break and then we will be back with um samson do you want to give uh any an additional you want to give any more intro to samson before we kick into his interview didn't you play him recently yeah, I played him in the in the finals of the under twenty five hundred rating event at the U.S. Open in just a couple months cool. ago, uh, and he beat me. I think in straight games, <laughs> he crushed me. Actually, it was it was not close. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we we I grew up uh, in South Bend, and he grew up in Ohio, and we played each other all the time. So um, definitely a big rival. He's a great player, great guy big promoter of table tennis in especially yeah. in Ohio but really just for USA table tennis so um yeah he's yeah <laughs> a little introduction <laughs> awesome cool okay uh stick around and we will see you after the break 
right. Thanks for sticking around. Today we have a very special guest, um, Samson Dubina. Uh, Samson, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, I know you you had to cancel all your plans, traveling and stuff like that, considering how <laughs> busy everything is these days. <laughs> so with the COVID stuff going on, um, maybe we should start like uh introduce let's what introduce yourself and uh who are you for the for our listeners um give us a little rundown on your resume sure so i've been involved in table tennis for 25 uh, 24 almost 25 years and um i grew up here and in, in uh, northeast ohio playing just locally at the table tennis club once a week and then after I took it a little bit more serious and started playing more tournaments and getting some training, um, I actually went to Canada to play professionally for three years. So I played professionally cool. for three years in Canada. And then after that, I moved back to Ohio. So for the last 12 years, I've been in Ohio uh, promoting the sport, um, coaching, uh, playing, and uh, doing a lot of other things related to table tennis. So I've been back here in Ohio, and we actually opened one of the largest table tennis academies in the country uh, last May. So we just celebrated our uh, one-year anniversary at being wow. at this new location. Cool. So I've seen pictures and videos. I've never actually been to the club um, in person, but it looks just like a world-class facility with the lighting and the floors and the space. Um and yeah, it looks, it looks awesome. I know you have a pretty big program there with leagues and you throw a lot of tournaments. Um, how are things going with like the COVID stuff? Do you, when, are you closed right now or have you reopened or? Yeah, so we're actually still closed right now. And okay. uh, yeah, the facility is, is quite nice. 15,000 square feet, uh, wow. 20, 20 courts, uh, 800 Lux lighting. We have Enlio floor. So it, it's really nice. Um, but I tell people all the time that the club is not just four walls and tables. It's made up of the people that come there. And we really have a great group of people that come there. Uh, we've got about 50 to 60 people that come there very regularly. And then we've got about 200 people that come a little bit more occasionally. So oh, wow. the club is, is really good. Unfortunately, uh, we did have to close down uh, middle of March, but we are looking to reopen. And the stages in which we reopen, uh, we're still kind of exploring those options. We're legally allowed to open May 26th. It was announced yesterday. Oh, awesome. That's but good. just exactly um, how we open um, and what, in what phases, we're still trying to work through that. And I'm actually hoping to make some kind of a public announcement tonight. Oh, good. Cool. So growing up, um, you, so you live in Ohio. Uh, I lived in Indiana. We had a bit of a rivalry. <laughs> you had a rival with a lot of the South Bend juniors, um, uh, with me and Mark Kaczynski and Jared Lent, AJ Brewer, a bunch of us, um, which is pretty fun. I moved to Utah a couple years ago, so it's been a little different, but, um, how so something i who did you train with and how did you get to be so good being so far away from like the the uh the main hubs in california and new york and florida uh who who are like your main practice partners how did you how did you train in your developmental stages in table tennis 
So a lot of what I did um, initially was just match play at the local club. Um, the Canton oh, wow. Table Tennis Club um, had match play uh, once or twice a week. So for the first five years, I played um, played at the Canton Club, and then I practiced with the robot, and I did play a lot of tournaments. Um, Coach Carl Harden, he did give me some coaching, which helped a lot, but I only got lessons from him like once every three or four months. So oh, a lot wow. of it was self-taught. And I really... I'm a big advocate of self-taught, and I'm also not a big advocate of self-taught. I feel like knowledge that is self-learned sticks longer in the fact that you really have to be able to think on your own. But definitely mm-hmm. having a coach that's there helping you on a daily basis, I feel like is even a bigger help because they can kind of take you where you can't take yourself. So being that I was mm-hmm. in Ohio, um, it was much less ideal than possibly being in another state or another country. But I tried to just make the best of it and do what I could say, okay, the club wasn't open today. At least I can do an hour of serve practice and an hour of fitness at home. Oh, maybe I can't go to a train this weekend, but hey, maybe there's a tournament I can go to. So I just tried to make the most of it and try to practice um, and do what I could. Um, The training in Canada was quite good. It was with the Canadian Olympic team. So I was doing a lot of hours of training with them. Uh, However... When I was in Canada, I didn't actually make all that much progress. I actually made more progress after I moved back from Canada. So people would say, why in the world did you make more progress when you stopped training so much? And I think the answer is, when I stopped training so hard and I started coaching more, I think I started thinking about the game a lot more. Not just thinking that, well, I'm going to practice, 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 and somehow I'm going to achieve a certain level. But I realized that I had to make positive changes in my game. So I think that I actually played better after I started coaching, which was a little bit surprising for a lot of people. I mean, you're, I think you're right as far as <laughs> I do a lot of coaching here as well. Um, and I think there's a lot to that where you, you kind of analyze the game a lot for other people and then you can apply things to your own game. So that's pretty, I think, I, yeah, pretty accurate, I think. Yeah, but even for people who aren't um, coaching, the more time that they actually spend significantly on their game, trying to think of ways that they can improve or ways they can train different. I think this is always more effective as opposed to just thinking that improvement is just on the table, just hitting more forehands and backhands and doing more footwork and hoping that something's going to happen and you're going to wake up someday, you know, at 2,500. So I think for those people out there that even they're not coaching right now, I think they need to spend more time kind of planning out their game and strategizing how they're going to improve as opposed to just practicing by itself. I like it. (laughs) There's your coaching corner for the, for the month. (laughs) (laughs) So Samson, you, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you have a new book coming out. Um, I see that you wrote a book a few years ago as well. So I'm, I'm a big reader. I'd love to um, get some insight into your new book and, and what the process was like. Sure, sure. So it's much, much different than the other book. The other book is called 100 Days of Table Tennis, and it's a daily reader, and you read a tip each day, and it kind of walks you through the process of how to make progress. And each day for 100 days, we cover a different topic. So the other day is, uh, the other book is a daily reader. This one is meant that you can read it from cover to cover in less than two hours. It's 50 pages. It's um, 
10 chapters, and it's called Why Table Tennis? 10 Aspects of the Sport That Will Change Your Life. And mm -hmm. I'm a co-author with uh, two of my students, actually, uh, Sarah Jolly, who's 14, and Jacob Boyd, who's 13. They actually wrote it together with me. Um, and the point That's pretty of, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like their help, and they, they actually did an excellent job. A lot of 13 and 14 year olds, I would not consider them to be like published authors, but they did like amazing. <laughs> and a lot of the sections, I think they did a lot better than I did. Um, but it's like basically, um, I'll just walk you through each chapter real quick. Um, basically, people come to the table tennis club. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people that walk through table tennis clubs every month nationwide. And then they say, hey, I see these guys. They're pretty good. This is a little bit different than I thought about my basement. But then they never came back. So I wanted to give the table tennis clubs in the U.S. a resource on how to be able to connect with their customers, explain why table tennis um, is, we feel, the best sport and why they should keep coming back. So the first chapter goes into the difference between table tennis and ping pong. And I don't know if you know it or not, but there's actually uh, a world championship of table tennis and there's a world championship of ping pong. And ping pong and table tennis, you know, they have different rules. They have different equipment. Um, there's different scoring, different uniform. They're played by two different types of people. So I think the important thing for clubs is to make that distinction between ping pong and table tennis. And then the next chapter, we go into how it's healthy for the body. Um, the next chapter after that, we go into how it's healthy for the mind. We talk about young developing minds on how scientific research has shown that for developing minds, table tennis is critically important, but also for seniors and for adults in later stages of life, table tennis has been actually proven to be very healthy for the mind. And then the next chapter, we go into the social aspect on ping pong diplomacy and how table tennis brought U.S. and China together. And since that time, table tennis has been bringing a lot of different people groups together. I don't know if you know this or not, Ryan, but um, there's a lot of companies like Google, for example, and they started actually having table tennis as part of just kind of their uh, workplace break room area that people can kind of play after work. And they started off having these small tournaments, and now they're hosting tournaments with 600 people in it with company employees all playing against each other. So as far as the social aspect goes, companies around the country are using table tennis as a way to like bring people together. It's definitely really big in the tech industry, ping pong. Almost, yes. almost every tech company, at least in Utah, has ping pong tables and ping pong tournaments. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a social, social game in, in the office. Right. And a lot of these types of people, they like it. They feel like it's it's great. But then they go into a table tennis club. And I really like for the clubs to be able to connect with them better, to be able to get them signed up for lessons, to be able to get them real equipment, and to be able to kind of get them plugged into a club that they can actually play seriously. Hmm. So, um, the fifth chapter goes into cross training and how table tennis is oftentimes used by professional sports. Uh, for cross-training. Um, the next chapter is about um, affordable as far as what it's really going to cost if you want to take table tennis serious. Um, then we have a couple other chapters about um, winning and losing and then kind of the professional aspect of the sport. And one of the, uh, one of the sections in the professional aspect of the sport that I really like is from uh, Whitney Ping. 
And Whitney Ping, she was uh, recently named Forbes magazine uh, top 30 most successful people in the nation under 30. And she talks about in that section of the chapter on why table tennis really helped her. It wasn't just the titles of being a U.S. Olympian, but it was also her experiences along the way. So this book really takes you through all the different aspects of the sport on why Jacob and Sarah and I feel table tennis is really the best sport. So I think it's going to be a really helpful guide for people. And it's not overwhelming because it's not like you got to sit down and read it for a month. This is like a, literally a two-hour read. And I think it's going to be a game changer for a lot of clubs. Sounds awesome. Yeah. And you, when, does that, when does that get published? That actually is going to get published within a week. So um, next Thursday is our goal. But uh, definitely by Friday or Saturday, uh, it will be out. And um, where can people get it? Yeah, so they can get it on my website, which is samsondabina.com. If it's too hard to remember how to spell my name, we also have the domain name ohiopingpong.com and ohiotabletennis.com. But um, we'll put Samson the link in the show notes for, for everybody. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's where you can get it as far as um, it's going to be first be available there. And then hopefully after a few days, I'll, uh, I'll open it up for sales on Amazon as well. But initially, it'll be just sold from my website. And as I mentioned before the interview off air, um, we are going to give a uh, discount. So clubs can really make it affordable for people to buy it in bulks of 10 or 25 or 50 or 100 at really low rates. Because let's say, for example, Ryan, if you have a table tennis club and somebody comes into your club and they pay $8 for the night and then they don't come back, that really didn't help you out at all. But mm -hmm. if you had a book and you said, hey, look, you can borrow the book or you can even have the book and you just invested that $8 in, probably 50, 60, 70% chance better that they're going to actually come back. So that's really what I want with the book yeah. is to be able to kind of reconnect with customers that walk through the door. Cool. I like that cool. idea. Yeah. Kind of a marketing marketing aspect to it. Yeah. I, it's, it's not necessarily going to take uh, – Joey Cochran from 2450 and make him a 2650 level player by reading the book. But hey, maybe he can get his uh, wife plugged into playing or maybe some coworkers that he's talking to on a daily basis that may not realize um, that this is a great way of cross training for another sport or this is a great way of keeping the mind healthy or whatever. Hey, maybe he'd be able to sell the sport to some of his friends. And I really feel like that's how table tennis becomes more enjoyable is with when you have a network of friends that are also training with you at the same time. I really feel like it's an individual sport, but I want it to be more of a friendly kind of team atmosphere. I feel like that's how the sport's going to thrive more. Yeah. I think that social aspect is, is important with anything, but yeah, in ping pong, a lot of times it's almost like people don't understand it or I mean, it's it's hard to connect to people, so that'll be a a good a good way to do it, really. Yeah, like and I'm way. I'm even thinking for my own academy once we reopen, on how, how can I bring people together better? So uh, we already started doing a team league, so that's one way of having more team environment. We have hmm. group classes five days a week. We have an advanced class. We've got a foundational adult class. We've got a beginner kids class. We've got a homeschool class. So we already have a lot of different classes. So that's a way of bringing people together. But I'm also thinking about organizing some other non-table tennis related activities like uh, ice cream social or something like that, uh, ways that hmm. people can just kind of bond closer together. So 
as we've been in lockdown now for two months, uh, I've been thinking more and more about what kind of things can I do to help people become better friends or be a little bit more connected with each other um, at the academy. I really feel that that's kind of why a lot of people play a lot of different sports. It's like, yeah, they're getting this physical benefit, but they also feel like they're a part of a team and they don't want to let their team down. And that's why they sign back up for that sport next fall. Yeah. I, I lose. So I coach a lot where I'm at and a lot of kids. And when soccer season starts, they, they always quit ping pong and they, they go to soccer or baseball or gymnastics or whatever other sports they're playing. And I, it's hard to bring them back because they play with their friends and they they really like that social aspect of it. So um, it's kind of a struggle in ping pong without the without the social without the teams without without that aspect of it. Yeah. So I think that really you need both. I think that you really need private lessons and group classes so that people aren't just playing with Joey Cochran, but they're also able to play with each other a little bit too. That mm-hmm. way they, uh, they build some friendships there. But one thing that I did as far as trying to get people committed is I had people sign up for a year of lessons. That way I knew they were kind of locked in for a year as opposed to when another sport comes up, they're going to just stop taking lessons. And I just kind of wasted two months of my life coaching somebody who just stopped. So almost all of my students are what's called premium members, and it's basically signing up for 12 months worth of lessons at one time. That way they get a commitment, and I get a commitment that, hey, we're really going to do this thing, and we're going to make some really good progress in the next 12 months. So I think that's one thing that a lot of other clubs should be implementing is some kind of one-year package where it's not just, hey, you, you walk in the door and you throw some cash across the table, but, hey, can you really actually commit the training long term and actually dedicating significant time all year round on this. That's where you really develop and and improve. Yes. yes. And you, it brings them back to the club, and the club gets more people, and with more people, then more people want to come, and it just kind of grows and snowballs. Yes, especially if it's the bigger clubs that have a lot of tables. If you have a club with just two or three tables, you you know you really can't have fifty people in there. But on a lot of the other bigger clubs in the U.S., they really need to get those numbers up. So I feel like that's a good way of uh, um, kind of discounting the lessons down, but actually making people have an actual commitment and say, hey, look, I'm going to put together a long-term game plan, and I'm going to try to make pra- progress long-term as opposed to just cramming all my practice into one month. Yeah. So are you um, are you mostly coaching now, or are you still competing as a player? I saw you at the Olympic trials. Um, how, how much are you training for yourself, and how much are you, are you training other people? Yeah, so I'm kind of in a transition phase right now that I'm going to actually be competing less in tournaments. So I still enjoy practice. It's a great form of exercise. It's a great form of stress relief for somebody who works a lot. Um, And I feel like for me keeping up my own game, it's good because I compete in our league twice a week. And for my elite students, I need to be also a good practice partner for them. So Mm -hmm. I want to keep staying in shape. I want to keep practicing. But most likely, I'll be playing fewer tournaments in the future because now I'm going to tournaments with 20 of my students at the same time. So <laughs> if, them, if all 20 of them are out there losing, and there I am out there on table one winning, it just doesn't seem quite right. Because <laughs> in my opinion, yeah. if they win, then I win. So even for my own kids, I have three of my kids are now tournament players. Uh, my six-year-old son, my seven-year-old daughter, and my nine-year-old daughter are all playing. 
So if they're out there playing, you know, 20 tables away from me, I really feel funny out there playing. It's got to be hard to focus too. And when you're playing and you can see your daughter playing down (laughs) a couple courts over. Yeah. So I can see myself actually, um, actually playing fewer tournaments in the future and focusing more on coaching. But I mean, I'll probably always play because I feel like it's a great way of uh, keeping me in shape. And it does help the program here in Ohio when I'm competing in the league twice a week. And people like to see you play, I'm sure. Yeah. So how are you, like, most people would probably consider you one of the most physically fit um, table tennis athletes in probably in all North America. Um, How are you staying fit and in shape during these times? Yeah, well, I've been doing uh, a lot of robot practice. Um, I've actually added. Which robot do you use? I've actually added another robot um, to my current training. So I've been sponsored by Noogie for 11 years. Um, But as of Monday, I'll be announcing uh, a new sponsorship that's coming out. Um, It's with PowerPong. And PowerPong Robot has been really a good training tool as well. Uh, it brings really a lot of human-like spins to the game. And even though it's a great workout, I really felt like even during these last two months, it really has helped me to kind of keep my game sharp as far as serve return and footwork and linking different shots together. So uh, you're going to be seeing quite a few videos from me as of Monday when our contract begins um, with PowerPong. So I'm, uh, I'm really happy that Noogie has been really supporting me for the last 11 years. And then I'm adding power pong as of Monday as well. So wow. um, that's been that's been really good. And then I just try to lead really an active lifestyle. So usually my coaching and work schedule is I work in the afternoons and evenings. So I hang out with my kids in the morning. So we have a triple jogging stroller. So I take the three <laughs> youngest kids out for a jog. And I'll go out sometimes for a four or five mile jog. Uh Pushing Just 120 pushing pounds. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> a good uh, full body workout, a time that I can chat with my kids and uh, get some fresh air, get out of get out of the academy for a while and go outside. And uh, but at the same time, still like stay in shape. So it's not like I work out four hours a day or something crazy, but I just try to stay as active as I can. I remember this is, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something. You told us a story. You were out training. Um, you were, you found like some tower and you were, you were doing running steps up the tower, but like with on one leg, like running up and down the steps on one leg. Yeah. And then there was some like firemen or something that saw you and like tried to recruit you to the fire department or they they were like, what are you training for? And you're like ping pong. And they were like, what? Yeah. (laughs) For ping pong. This this is a long time ago. I don't remember the yeah, whole story, that, but that was probably about ten years ago. So yeah, yeah. so that's actually I, I go into the, a little bit of that actually in the book as well. But, okay. Um, yeah, I came back from training in Canada, and I was playing on the table at that time about five or six hours a day, and about an hour or two of fitness every day. So I was in pretty good shape back then, uh, even better shape than now. But um, yeah there was actually a firefighter fitness competition and it involved a lot of agility and 
running up and down stairs, carrying things and dragging things and smashing things with a hammer and this and that. And I actually <laughs> won awesome. the fit, I actually won the fitness competition. So that was uh, wow. that was great. And they were all chuckling about some ping pong guy that beat out all the firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the, the stairs is really good though, because I feel like the stairs is really a good workout as far as strength and speed and balance all at the same time. Especially if you're doing it on one leg. <laughs> yeah. I tell people all the time, please consult your physician before starting any exercise program. But if you, if you go up the stairs on one leg and you do, you know, multiple flights of stairs, do 10, 15 flights of stairs with each leg. Um, it really is a good workout balance and strength and speed all at the same time, but just don't do it when you're really tired because you're bound to miss a step and then fall down the stairs and break your ankle or something. So, uh, so make sure if you're doing it, make sure you do it within reason. <laughs> so, um, me and, uh, Joey, we, we kind of use the same equipment. We both have uh, Harimoto blades and we're on the Dignix train. Um, it's curious what kind of equipment you're using. Yeah. So I actually have a uh, Nataku equipment. My racket mm. is, uh, Nataku acoustic carbon, and they actually have two versions of that one. They have the normal grip and they have the large grip. So my hands are pretty big. So I'm using Nataku acoustic carbon, large grip. And then hmm. I have Fast Arc G1, and there's a it's Nataku as well. There's a lot of different Fast Arc rubbers, but the G1 is the one that's medium hard sponge and extremely hmm. grippy top sheet. So, like a lot of my students are using the C1, which is the same top sheet as what I have, but softer sponge. Hmm. But since I'm playing more mid distance, I go with the medium sponge. So it's Nataku Fast Arc uh, G1. So. That's what I've been cool. using now for a couple years, and uh, I really like it, and I recommend it, and it is a bestseller at the Samson Vienna Table Tennis Academy Pro Shop. <laughs> nice. Cool. I wonder if that's similar to the – are you familiar with the Dignix line of rubbers? Yeah, I'm familiar with it. Um, I wonder it, if it's similar it, to the it has some similarities. sticky – up, yeah, I think sheet. I think a little bit more controlled, but I think the sticky top sheet is quite good. It's not tacky, but it's really, really grippy. So I really feel like it has a similar effect as Dignix, but a little bit more control, maybe slightly less speed and spin, but a little bit more control. And I've been with, I've been using that one for about probably five or six years, and I like it, and I don't really have any plans to change anytime soon. I bet it's how long what's like the shelf life on it how long do you does it last i mean it might be different for you since you're playing four or five hours a day and coaching all the time yeah um, but how long one thing i've found at least with dignix i coach probably three hours a day or so and it doesn't last as long as i'd like it to okay um, it seems like it dies out after maybe a month or two yeah um but how how does it how does it hold up Compared to all the other rubbers that I've used, I would say it lasts 30 to 40% more uh, than the other rubbers. So I feel like it lasts quite a bit lot longer. So a lot okay. of people are scared at the sticker price going, oh man, it's $55 a sheet. I don't think I can afford it. And I'm like, well, 
compared to most of the other rubbers I've used for my whole life, this one does last substantially longer. I think my so, Dignix was like 105 or something. Yeah, <laughs> per, per sheet, sheet, right? Per sheet, yeah. Yeah, that that's it's absurd. That's yeah. Be careful on looping the half long balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it's I think it's a good one as far as lasting for a while. I usually practice. Um, with the robot right now because we're in lockdown um when we're back at the academy i play with chance twice a week for two hours and then i also play league twice a week and then i usually coach on the table about five or six hours a day so my rubber can last yeah it can last probably um one to two months but that's a lot of ping pong now yeah nataku is good for giving me a lot of equipment so I oftentimes will change like, you know, every tournament. So if I have a tournament two weeks from now, I'll just change and put new rubber on. So, How long do you go? Like if a tournament's coming up, how, how soon before the tournament do you usually change your rubber? That's About actually a really, or? that's a really good question. Um, I usually feel that the first day is not that great. I usually mm-hmm. feel that the second, third, fourth, and fifth days are best. So I don't want to change the day before the tournament and have a bad practice day right before the tournament because I feel like that just kind of kills my confidence. So I mm. want to have two good days of practice. So usually the first day it feels bad, and then the next two days it feels good, and then I'll use it on the tournament like the next day after that. So if I'm going to play a tournament on Saturday, I might change Monday, Tuesday, or possibly Wednesday at the latest, but usually Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Uh, that's when I feel like it's best. But I mean, this, this varies from person to person. And then I also feel like if it's a really important tournament, like U.S. Nationals or Olympic Trials or whatever, my backup racket needs to have the rubber that's the same age. So I'll change mm-hmm. like both of them, maybe the, the seven days before, and use each of them like two sessions or something like that. Because I'm convinced that if I'm going to loop Joey Cochran's serve that's really half long to my forehand and I rip my sheet of rubber, then I need to be able to pull out my backup racket. And you probably say, ripped hey, it because no it was really here. short. <laughs> yeah, because it's actually short. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. keep going. <laughs> no, no, it's good. But I feel that I need to have a backup racket that's exactly the same that I don't feel like afraid to pull it out like – Oh, here's my, you know, backup racket, which is 50% worse or that I haven't played with for four years or something like that. Yeah. Samson, so with the, with the COVID-19 stuff, um, do you already have an idea of what kind of changes you're going to have to make at your club? Yeah, so this is unofficial. Um, even though I'm on air with a podcast, this is unofficial. Sure. But, um, yeah, so it's going to definitely have to be in stages. Uh, the first stage is going to be where we probably are closed to the public but are doing uh, private lessons and possibly very small group classes um, with people that I personally know and I can talk to to see if they've been exposed and if anybody in their house is exposed and um, if they are feeling sick or whatever. The last thing I want to do is on day one, just say grand opening, anybody and everybody can come in and then literally have 200 people walk through the door and then nobody wants to come back because we're just packed with people or the health department come and close us down because people are crammed every two feet or something like that. So I don't want that to happen. So we're going to start gradually with that. 
And then uh, really the goal is to be able to eventually build back. So we are doing our group classes and leagues and summer camps and tournaments. The summer camps are really our big money maker. They're called Ohio Mega Camps. And we really expected 60 people every week. So um, we were going to do four camps. We decided to just do three camps in August. And let's just hope that coronavirus subsides by then, that we can still have those camps. Because the camps are really um, our main way to, to fund the academy throughout the year. I know you teach a lot of people. You said you have about 60 regulars at your club. Um, who are some of your better students? I know you wrote a book with a couple of them. Yeah. Um, who are, so, who are some of your better students and tell so us we about, have, tell us we about have them. a lot of students that I would say are early in development that I think that can really become national team members, um, in the future. Um, Sarah Jolly is doing, uh, really well. She's the number one 14 year old in the U S and she has a decent chance of making uh, the 2024 Olympic team. Um, right now, even during lockdown, uh, she's playing about two to three hours a day um, at home with the robot and doing fitness training and doing surf practice, doing mental training, doing video analysis and this and that. So you can see that even during lockdown, she's still staying highly motivated. Uh, Jacob Boyd, he's not been playing for that long. Uh, he's just over 2,000, and he's the number one boy in Ohio right now. Uh, he's doing well, and he, uh, yeah, he's kind of, the, those two are kind of like the higher ones. We have a lot of other players that have only been playing for about a year or so, but they're moving up pretty quickly. It's uh, good to have, have those, those featured students, students to kind of have your other students, students looked up, look up to them and have something, something to, to aspire, aspire to, to um, yes. in your academy. Yes. So that's cool. Especially number one, you said number one girl in the U.S. under 14? Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So she's she's doing well. And in our league during the last like six months, I think she has eight wins over people that are over 2,500. Wow. So for somebody who just turned 14, uh, that's quite good. We have a lot of visiting players that are in the 2,500 range. And she's taken down most of them. So it shows that she's she wow. definitely has um, the potential not just to play against people at the academy, but to be able to really play against people that she doesn't know. And so part of the thing is I need to really make sure that she keeps training and stays motivated. But I also keep reminding her and the other students, especially the better ones, that there really need to be role models for the other players. I tell them all the time, whatever you do, just imagine 50 other people in this place doing it. So everything that you do, whether it be good or bad, everybody else is watching, even if you don't think that they're watching. So just trying to show them that they're, uh, they're responsible, not only for showing how to train hard, but also to avoid um, kind of the negative side of what people usually do when they lose or whatever that I'm telling them they really have to be good role models because we have a large group of players that are in that eight to 12 year old range that are really following in the footsteps of Sarah and Jacob. That's really good advice. I know growing up, I had like a, a terrible temper, especially on the table. <laughs> growing up, not the best role model a lot of times. So um, that's good advice for, for them and for everybody really. 
Yeah, so I'm 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 pretty happy about who we have, but we just have to continue to figure out ways of recruiting more players, as well as telling people in uh, wherever North Dakota or Montana or Bahamas or South Africa. Hey, if you don't have a place to train, you know, come here for a couple months this summer, and we'll take care of you and make sure that you get daily practice as far as private lessons. You can join our group classes. Uh, you can play the league twice a week, and then we're going to have a bunch of tournaments too. So it's partly making sure that I keep my current students trained and improving. It's partly recruiting new people from the community, and then it's also a matter of welcoming people from outside. Uh, before this coronavirus hit, we had a huge number of foreign players that were planning to come here and train this summer. Um, hmm. Two of the national team players from Czech were planning to come here. And two professional players from Japan, uh, Akifumi Hamakawa, he's top 16 in Japan. And then Mizuki Morizono, she's national team in Japan. They were planning to come here this summer. So we had a lot of high-level, intermediate, and lower-level foreign players that were planning to come. But when coronavirus hit, you know, all those kind of plans went out the window temporarily. But really, that's our long-term goal is to be able to figure out ways of working all three of those aspects. That's really cool. I know you do. You have a lot of players come internationally, which is really a cool thing. Uh, that's one thing that I really like about table tennis is that it it brings people, especially from other countries and other cultures, in, um, and it's it's fun to connect with those kind of people. Um, yeah. What are you doing as far as coaching um, during the the COVID nineteen stuff? <laughs> so this is this is the most surprising thing of everything I've ever seen. So there's a, actually a Bible verse that says, uh, you know, you say that you're going to do this and this and this and this, but you actually don't know what a day is going to bring forth. It says, you know, instead of saying, I'm going to make these plans, you should say, if God wills that I'm going to make these plans, then I'll make these plans. And I really feel like that's kind of been a theme verse for me in the last couple months, realizing that no matter what I'm planning, sometimes the future brings about something totally different. So if you would have told me, Joey, you know, next year at this time, your your academy is going to be closed and you're going to be in your basement coaching online lessons, 11 lessons a day. I would have said you're off your rocker. You're completely crazy. But that's actually been what happened. So I'm sometimes coaching 9, 10, 11, up to 12 lessons a day uh, online here in my basement. So Just through Skype, Skype or how do you do that? Yeah, it's uh, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, Facebook Messenger. Uh, whatever you want. Most people have an iPad or an iPhone. And so I usually prefer uh, FaceTime. I feel like it's the best uh, video quality. So um, yeah, the they just call me up. And most of the time, they either have a family member that plays or they have a robot. And I just walk them through different drills. And I'll say, okay, stop every 30 seconds or a minute and come over to the camera. And I'm going to help you with this particular shot. Okay, now you're doing well on this one. Now I want you to add this other element to it. I have a board right behind me that has all kinds of diagrams that I drew. And so oftentimes if a student doesn't understand it, I'll kind of draw it out for them so that they can understand what I'm talking about. So I think a lot of people are surprised when they realize, hey, I've been playing with my robot for 20 hours a week and I'm practicing all the wrong things. This is a waste of time. I took a one-hour lesson from Samson, and now my practice at home is much more efficient. 
So that's basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to keep people motivated, but I'm also keeping them educated as to how they practice. Okay, yeah, sure so Ryan, you grab right your things and... yeah, you grab your bucket of balls and you're serving at a rate of 100 balls a minute. Let's slow down and actually focus on it. You see that toss? This is what I want you to do. See your contact point where it's at? This is what I want you to do instead. See your contact on the table? You're hitting over here and over here and over here. I want you to focus on this or this or this, and then I just kind of work it, work, work with you on it. And then after our lesson, I kind of give you a homework assignment of what you have to do in the next seven days before our lesson. Cool. That's awesome. I love it. That's great. It's really not ideal. Obviously, I would prefer to be at the academy, but um, I'm trying to do what I can to help those people that are motivated and are willing to do it online. And I really am getting a good group of highly motivated people. If you're a lazy student and you really didn't want to work hard anyway, maybe you're saying, well, I'm just going to watch Netflix for 12 hours a day and do nothing. But if you're kind of a hardworking student, you might say like, okay, this is not ideal. I'm on lockdown right now. But hey, maybe there's some things I can do to improve my game. Hey, let's do uh, some shadow strokes in front of the mirror. Or let's do some serve practice downstairs. Or hey, let's do footwork with the robot. So there's always things you can improve, but you kind of have to be a little bit creative uh, when you're stuck at home. It's definitely pretty creative. I like it. Now I feel obligated to get Joey to do a video lesson with me. <laughs> that would be great thanks samson i was yeah. trying to hit that hit that 12 hour netflix mark but i guess it won't work now yeah i mean as soon as as soon as people feel comfortable going to the club and getting lessons you know i definitely recommend it but it's a matter of can you work on some things and build you know even during even during lockdown and i'm convinced yeah. they are and i've seen some students that actually made pretty dramatic progress uh, with online lessons during the last two months. So I think it's a good testimonial just to say that, hey, even if it's less than ideal conditions, you can still make progress. And even when the club does open up, you're only going to the club, Ryan, let's say five days a week. What are you doing on your day off at home? Can you be doing other things to still help you with your game? Samson, so where can people keep up with you? And um, I know you have a YouTube channel. what are you doing on that? So um, they can keep up with me on my website, samsonvina.com. I'm also quite active on Facebook. So um, I have a personal cool. page, Samson Davina, and then I also have Samson Davina Table Tennis Academy. Uh, so there's two there's two ways to connect with me on Facebook. Um, I also recently became the moderator of Table Tennis Community with 38,000 followers on Facebook. So you can always sign up uh, or you can always uh, become a follower on Table Tennis Community. Um, I'm on Instagram, but uh, I don't post quite as much on Instagram as I do on Facebook. Uh, but the best way to get the most content is just checking out my website. I have, I'm always posting new articles and new videos that people can see for free. And then there's always um, ways to sign up for tournaments and camps and stuff. And I have equipment discounts as well as available as well on my website. So samsonvina.com is the best way. And then also, like I said, social media. And then like you mentioned, YouTube. Uh, I've got a lot of free content on YouTube, 600 videos. And I got a bunch more on my phone that I'm going to be uploading in the next couple of days. So if you want some cool. new content, uh, within the next two days, I'm going to be uploading a bunch of new videos on YouTube. So while everybody's on lockdown, that's another great way of connecting. That's awesome. 
All right. Well, thanks, Samson, for joining us on the podcast and um, look forward to your Table Tennis Academy opening back up to the public pretty soon. All right. Checking out the book, too. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Joy. See you later. All right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking around. Um, let's go straight into Joey's coaching corner. What you got for us? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna stick with my YouTube channel for my coaching corner. The I'm still doing the I'm still doing serving videos since we're all in quarantine. But the ones I covered this month are the shovel serve, the tomahawk serve, and the fast no spin serve. So all three are pretty great serves. I use them all the time. Um, Tomahawk serve probably the least, but I'll pull it out um, to just kind of mix things up. Um, but yeah, just go check them out, and and they're they're on there. <laughs> Wait, let me. Which one is your uh, Which one is your favorite out of those three? My favorite is well, it used to be the fast no spin. I did it all the time. I still do it quite a bit. But recently, I've I've been doing a lot more of the shovel serve because I like the way that it sets me up. Um, so the shovel is is similar to the reverse pendulum, but it it just it's a little more a little bit more simple and easier to control. So I lately I've been doing a lot more of the shovel serve. So yeah. Okay. Um, and now it's time for weird world of table tennis, uh, and you have a. You have a weird anecdote for us, don't you, Joey? Yeah. So the weird world of table tennis this month is on table tennis betting. So you don't usually see a whole lot of betting on table tennis, but with everything else being shut down, <laughs> the the sports books are looking to new things, I guess. And um, you can bet on matches in the Russian league and a couple of the other leagues. I found an article on USA Today that was kind of um, highlighting the sports betting. There was some guy who won like $25,000 on a parlay. Um, but if you just go to like – I go to sportsbook.com just to check odds sometimes. I don't really bet a whole lot or ever really. But um, And sure enough, yeah, there's – on sportsbook.com there, you can bet on table tennis. <laughs> There was, I remember last year, one of, one of our earlier episodes, um, we covered, I think it was the Austrian open and bet at home.com was the, um, like the main sponsor for that, for that tournament. And, and they have table tennis, um, they have, they have table tennis betting on there. I, I mean, I don't really understand sports betting, but I, I feel like. I mean, I would look at, so I'm looking at Sportsbook for their table tennis stuff and it's got all the Russian uh, players Mm -hmm. and I don't, I don't recognize any of these names. Um, I also don't know where I would even be able to watch the match, which I guess is not, doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) But like the, the main, the main Russian player I know is um, Alexander Shibayev. Um who I think he's in top 50. Um, but he's, 
I don't he I don't even see him on here. I don't know if that I don't know that he plays. Yeah, he might not. So they have like the TT Cup, the Win Cup, the the Pro League Moscow. There's all sorts of different leagues on here. Um, Setka Cup, TT Star Series. They look like they're all Russian names. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just it's not something that you would normally see ever. I mean, I guess there's one-off tournaments, but this is just another way. I mean, that's one thing that makes sporting more popular, whether you people like it or not. Like People love football because it's so easy to bet on it. Same with basketball and some of the yeah. other sports. There's a million different things you can bet on, and it's more exciting to watch when you, when you have money on the line. Um, but Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's huh. it's well, maybe a good thing for table tennis to have it be at least the option of betting on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently it's good for Russian table tennis, not necessarily for other table yeah. tennis. All right, well, that's our episode. Um our our weird weird May episode. We're we're actually recording this a week late um because uh we were boneheads and screwed up interviewing Samson last weekend. Um, so apologies for the lateness, but, um, there's not much going on in the table tennis world anyway. So (laughs) I'm not sure that we missed anything. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be on time next month. Hopefully we'll, we don't make any more mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next month. Thanks for listening to table tennis talk. Thanks everybody. Table Tennis Talk is a monthly podcast by Joey Cochran and Ryan Lewis, edited by Ryan Lewis. Music on the podcast comes from Chill Hop Records. Find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us questions on our Facebook page at Table Tennis Talk Podcast or on Twitter at TT Talk Podcast. 